Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. We are grateful that you are here. And I tell you, we've been in a, in a fun series in this Bible study during Christmas time entitled A Vintage Christmas. You know, as we sing that song, I begin to ask myself the question of Isaiah 8 and 9 is how could anyone sing a hallelujah in that day? How could anyone sing in the midst of a storm? How, may, how could people raise a hallelujah? How could they have hope that God would raise them up from the ashes of defeat? And then I'm reminded in Isaiah chapter 9 of a promise that God would give his people. I'm reminded that in Isaiah chapter 9, we find a birth announcement that changes everything. Hey, by the way, uh, have you guys noticed in our culture how crazy birth announcements are getting, right? Like, you have to have a social media birth announcement, and it's got to be different than everybody else. In fact, I pulled just a couple off of Google, okay? And I just want to show you some of my favorites. Um, This one right here. We're expecting, she's throwing up. She says twins, and now he's throwing up, right? Some of y'all been there. Some of y'all live that. Now, my second favorite. You had to be a 90s child to get this, okay? It is a song made popular in 1989, sung through the 90s. You ready? See if you get this. Ice, ice, baby. Dun, 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 dun. You know, I love it. Like, we did that at every school dance we had. And this is, this is probably my favorite. Um, eviction notice. Look at his face, right? It says, you are hereby notice that you'll have to vacate your crib. He is devastated. Man, I love some of these birth announcements that go on today in culture. But as we've been studying this series called Vintage Christmas, really what it's been, it's been a look at the Christmas story through the lens or through the eyes of the Old Testament long before that first Christmas morning ever came to be. The word vintage means things of old. So we've looked at the Christmas story from the days of old. On the first week, we celebrated this truth. You ready? That the wait is over The Savior has come because we saw the first flicker of Christmas light there in Genesis 3, 15. Last week, we celebrated this truth that Emmanuel, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the name Emmanuel reminded us that God is with us and in Jesus Christ. That is our reality. This week, we celebrate this truth. You ready? The light, the light has come. Hey, you ready? The light has come into your darkness and mine. And it's the very truth we find celebrated in Isaiah chapter nine. How is it that a people could still sing in the midst of such a grave and grim prophecy of Isaiah chapter eight? How is it that they can still raise a hallelujah? How is it that they can still hold on to great hope? Watch this in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Here's the very reason why. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. For unto us, a child is born. How is it that they could keep hope in such a hopeless situation? Because there was a promised son who would make all things right, including and especially their hearts. 
And where is it that your hope and my hope lie today? In the son whose birth announcement we see here some 700 years before the actual birth were to take place. We find here in Isaiah chapter nine, the most unique, amazing, and ground-shaking birth announcement of all time. And it means everything to us today. It means absolutely everything. Hey, speaking of vintage Christmas, don't you just love a good Christmas tree? I, man, I love, I love Christmas trees. Whether they're fake or they are real, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christmas tree guy. Throw them up everywhere. You ever wondered where we got the tradition of cutting down a tree from outside, hauling its carcass on the inside and decorating it up? You ever thought about where that comes from? Well, the truth is, is that we could trace it really all the way back, back to the great Protestant reformer by the name of Martin Luther in the 1600s. You see, the story goes that one night he was walking towards home and it was pretty dark outside, but in his mind he was, he was talking through and composing a sermon for his church. And he began to look up at the sky and he was awed by the brilliance of the stars twinkling amidst the evergreens. And so he wanted to recapture this scene for his family. So he went out, he cut down a tree, he brought it into his house, he put wires across the front of it, and there he would hang candles, celebrating the birth of the, of the light of the world and what became a family tradition in their home. It's something that you and I still celebrate today. Light has always been a central and a pivotal theme in the Christmas story and in the story of how you and I celebrate Christmas. Just think of our community, Sevier County. It is estimated that there are over 15 million lights that will burn bright across Sevier County tonight as the sun goes down. In Dollywood alone, over 5 million lights are lit to celebrate the Christmas season. Just absolutely incredible. You know, I think about that night in the 1600s for Martin Luther. And you know, it was pretty dark. It was pretty striking for him. And then I think about the backdrop for Isaiah chapter nine. And you know what? It's as dark as that night sky was in Germany when Martin Luther first cut the first Christmas tree down. I begin to think of this, that much like that night with Martin Luther there in the woods, that he looked at the stars and were amazed at the light they had provided. What we find here in scripture is such amazement because God begins to shine his light into our darkness, even all the way back then. You see, the media darkness of Isaiah chapter nine was this, you ready? Captivity that was coming at the hands of their nemesis, their enemy, the Assyrians. They're going to come, invade, and take captive the people. And you know, you and I sit here and go, we're in America. Man, we don't even have that thought, do we? Like we go about our day in safety and security. The brave men and women of our armed forces has purchased such freedom. We, we can't relate to that, can we? Then I stop to think of my own life. And you know what? I've known captivity before. Not physical captivity, but I've known spiritual captivity, haven't you? 
Haven't you ever been held captive by, by some sin that's warring against you? Hey, haven't you known the captivity of shame at time or, or what it is to be held captive by guilt? And I've known what it is to be captivated by hurt and pain. What about the captivity of, of addiction? Maybe something hidden in our lives that has plunged us into darkness. You know, I think of darkness and I think of the truth is, is you and I have all known it. Every one of us have walked in darkness and have known darkness at some point. In fact, there's a darkness that lives in e inside each of us. It is a sin nature that is darker than any night sky. It's a sin nature that lives to please self and could care less to please God. We all have that type of darkness in us. But also there's many of us who've had darkness happen to us. Darkness happened to us. You see, many of you have been abused or broken, hurt by someone else. Maybe darkness has enveloped you at a diagnosis of a devastating disease or at the loss of someone you love. Maybe divorce has plunged you into darkness. Maybe your darkness takes form in that of depression. But here's what we begin to see, even in the midst of Isaiah chapter eight, and as we turn the chapter into chapter nine, that no matter the darkness that holds you captive, we are reminded and must be reminded of this truth. You ready? That darkness is not some force out there equal to God that wars against him with any hope of being successful. In fact, God in his sovereignty, church, hear me, rules over light and darkness. Darkness answers to him. No matter the darkness, here's the truth we know, that God has, that God is, and God will continue to shine his light into the darkness of any heart, in the darkness of any circumstance, in the darkness that surrounds us. You see, while the prophecy of Isaiah told of a coming darkness on the people of God, the promise inlaid in this prophecy was of a coming light, a light far greater than the darkness. Let's take a look at scripture. Isaiah chapter nine, verse one, it says this. As Isaiah speaks on behalf of the Lord to the people, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those in distress. He's not talking about in the moment. He, what he's saying, there's coming a day where gloom will be no more. And he says this, in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and in the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will throw honor, he will give honor to Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Hey, by the way, I have walked in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali I have been in the Galilee of the nations in the way of the sea. You know what's amazing what takes place here? The raising of Jesus. This is where he was raised. You know what's amazing what happens here? Some of his very first miracles, some of his greatest sermons take place right here. And what's amazing is it's the very same region that long ago God would say, 
honor will come from such an area. I, I look at this as this passage finishes out. And here's, here's one of my favorite parts of it. You ready? That the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light has come. Hey, can I remind you of something, church? There is no darkness too dark that God's light does not shine brighter still. And the question comes, what is this light? Better yet, who is this great light? What's his name? When's he coming? And as we see this played out in the New Testament, we begin to learn his name. We begin to see his work. The light has come. Watch this. I love John chapter one. As John speaks of a man by the name of Jesus and listen to his description. Could Jesus be the light? For in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, listen church, the darkness has not overcome it. I love the promise found in there in the light that is named Jesus. That darkness is no match for the light of Christ. It would be this very same Jesus spoken of in John chapter one, who in John chapter eight, verse 12, would stand up at that great feast and say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, now watch this church, you ready? Will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Could this be the great light? Of Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, on in John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus would say, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Hey, can I just remind you as well of this truth? That Jesus is your out from darkness. Hey, that Jesus is my out when it comes to darkness. You know, there's a darkness that you and I choose. Some darkness happens to us, but some darkness you and I begin to choose. You ready? It is the sin that you and I engage in at times and delight in all too often. It is the rebellion against God that we find ourselves reveling in. It is the selfishness that we seemingly sulk in from time to time. And the message of Isaiah chapter 9 and of the very light of the world that is pointed to in Jesus Christ is, you ready? Here's the message. You don't have to choose darkness. Choose light. Choose light. And we find the very same message in Isaiah chapter nine. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5, 8, I love this, you ready? For you once, you were once darkness. Hey, listen, the testimony of every one of our lives before Christ is that we were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And he challenges the church, the Ephesian church, live as children of light. Hey, can I, can I derive this truth from the scriptures we've read thus far? whether it's in the Old Testament or the New, you ready? There is only one way to escape darkness, and that is through Jesus. Guys, there's no other fix. There's no other chemical. There's no behavior. There's not enough positive thinking, one-liners. There's no puffed up enough egos on this planet 
that can save you from darkness, except for Jesus. I love this testimony, you ready? Watch this, 1 Peter 2, 9, that God has brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hey, can I share this with you? He is not just light in the darkness, but he is the light for your darkness and for mine. He is the light, the answer, the escape for our darkness. You see, the hope for the people of Israel in Isaiah chapter nine was the future salvation for all people through the light of the world sent into our darkness to bring life where there was only death, hope where there was only despair, peace where there was nothing but war, and healing where there was great hope. But questions begin to come. Pastor Anthony, what happens when we begin to see darkness in us? What, what happens when we begin to see such darkness in our own hearts and in our own lives? You ready? The message of the gospel as we've seen play out here is to trust in the light of the world and allow him to save you from your darkness, from our sin. And in him and in him alone, you and I can shun darkness and choose light. If you are in Christ, we walk with Christ. We walk in the light, as scripture says, as he is in the light. And the darkness of sin and selfishness do what all darkness does when light enters the scene, and that is it scatters and it runs. If you're not in Christ here today, meaning all you know is darkness, and I'm not talking physically, we have this little effect with a spotlight and we turn off the lights out there, right? We're not talking this. We're talking about a heart that has no hope of an eternity with him, void of joy and peace that comes from an everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's your reality, in every one of the passages, whether it was Isaiah 9 or in the New Testament as we uncover today, the challenge is simply this. Would you place your faith and trust in the light of the world whose name is Jesus? The only one who can save you from your darkness. And you know how I know he can? He saved me from mine. He saved me from the darkness of my life. Well, Pastor Anthony, what happens if, if darkness happens to us? We get the darkness in us peace, but, but I've had some darkness that's happened to me. What happens, you ready? We hope in the light of the world who shines his light into the darkest of our nights. We trust in it. Remember, there is no darkness where the light of Christ is not greater still. And so when darkness begins to happen to us, we never lose hope in the light that is Jesus Christ. There is no darkness too dark that the light of Christ is not greater still. It's not brighter still. Well, Anthony, what happens when, when we see darkness all around us? What happens when we look around at the world, our community, and we see darkness seem to have its 
day all around us, all around this world. You ready? When that happens, we realize that we are the lights of the world and our greatest joy is to shine bright for Jesus. I love this in Matthew chapter five and verse 14, the great sermon on the mount in Galilee as Jesus is preaching. He says, you are the light of the world. And he says, a town or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. As just a couple of months ago, I was standing right where Jesus preached this message. I was on the hills of Galilee. And I'll never forget our God saying, hey, just look over your shoulder. And there was a, a mountain or a hill that raised about 400 feet in the air. And sitting atop that hill was a city. And what's amazing is at night, Though the entire region of Galilee may be dark, just one light on top of that hill, even the faintest of lights, is visible from everywhere around, from the city on the hill. And he says this, it cannot be hidden, neither do people who light a lamp put it under a bowl. How silly is that? Who turns on a lamp and then puts it underneath a bowl? Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Hey, by the way, the light of the world lives in you. Not so that you could cover it up and be happy that he's in you. So that you will shine for him. And you know where that begins? In the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You ready? When the light of the world lives in you, we become his light in the darkest corners of our homes, our community, and of this planet. I heard the story of, of an old pastor who uh, had a teenage girl approach him one day after service said, Pastor, I'm done. I've had this job for a while now and nobody there loves Jesus. In fact, they make fun of me. In fact, they give me a hard time every chance they get. And she said, you know what? I I'm just gonna resign. I'm done with the job. And the pastor looked at her and he asked her this question. Tell me, where do people put the lights? And she said, uh, pastor, I don't get where you're, where you're going. That's a lot to do with my story. Whole job situation, he said. Nevertheless, where do people put lights? And she said, well, yeah, I suppose in dark places. And he said, yes. He said, you see, that's exactly what God has done with you. That is why you've been put by him where you are, where there's such spiritual darkness and where there is no other Christian to shine his light, to shine the light of Jesus. I mean, she thought about what the pastor had said and she went home and she began to talk with the Lord. And all of a sudden, her perspective began to change. The next day when she woke up to, to go to work, she did so with, a joy she had yet to have. 
She was on a mission as she went out into her workplace because here, rather than just seeing her job as, as an obstacle to her faith, now her job became the object of her faith and her mission and Christ. And she decided she was going to go in the midst of that darkness spiritually and shine her light for Christ. And within a year, she was able to lead nine other ladies to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, God shined his light into the darkness through her. I love what John Keith Faulkner said once, and listen to this, just an incredible statement. He's a missionary. And he said this, I have but one candle of life to burn and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Am I there yet? Are you there yet? I look at this life and man, I, I'm halfway, probably over halfway through it. I think of my life as a candle that's burning. And I wonder this question, is will I live out my life only surrounded by other light? Or will I take serious the command of Christ, the call of Christ for every believer, not just pastors, but everyone? And will I take the light of Christ in the world that is flooded with darkness? so that people may know Jesus. And by the way, I'm not talking about just other countries, other nations around the world. I'm not talking just the Middle East or the African continent. I'm not talking Asia. I'm not talking other parts necessarily of the world. But you know what I'm talking about? I got some kids in my home who aren't saved. They're not quite old enough yet. I gotta shine some light. I'm talking about stopping by Walmart at the way home and getting some bread. There's some people there who don't know him. They need his light. Talking about lawns I might be mowing this summer. When we host events here, people from the community who may never darken the door of a church that I could rub elbows with when they host an event at the Ridge Event Center and and that's where I want to be. Where God could shine the light, his light into darkness and use me. You know what I want us to do as we, as we close? I want to introduce you to a little buddy of mine. This past weekend, I had the chance to uh, spend a few hours down in Children's Hospital. ICU, bed number three. And I got to hang with this little boy right here. His name is Merrick. His daddy who's holding him is a best buddy of mine, was in my wedding. I just, we did a lot of life together. You see, this little boy right here, he's a brave boy. When he was born, he, he was born having to fight some really big battles and still fighting them to this day. But he's been through a lot. And you know what? That little smile right there, always is on his face. It was past week, he got in the flu for the third time in months. The, the challenges he has and he faces, his body just don't fight it off well. For the past few days, this has been his 
his story. This is where he is right now, hooked up to this ventilator. All these tubes and all these wires. Friday got there, and they'd had, he had had the hardest day of his four years, nearly four years of life. And he's still living out his hardest days. And I went there to love on my buddy, pray over this little boy, and just the power of presence, just to be there with them. And you know what's amazing? I began to think of it as a dad myself, and if you have kids, you know this. The darkest days are not when you lie in that bed, but when your kids do. And I remember sitting in that room and talking with Adam and praying over America. And in my mind, I was going, this has got to be the darkest of days for this precious family. Just the hardest, the darkest of days. But you know what's amazing? As even into the darkest of days for that little boy and his mom and dad, God was shining his light. There is great hope when doctors just don't have all the answers. We prayed together and as tears stained his sheet, we prayed with great hope. Why? Because no matter the darkness of your night, God's light is still greater than any of the darkest nights we face. And that's the truth for a mom and dad who this morning are up again with their little boy. Just praying that God's greatest glory would be in his healing here on earth. You know, the truth is, is I, I don't know your darkness. I know the darkness I've wrestled in here. I've known some of the darkness that's happened to me in my life. I've seen darkness around. Just last week, a, a church member from the church I left to come here, incredible hamburger shop in Charlotte, 4.45 a.m. was opening his door. Incredible man of God. And a guy gunned him down. Man, I, I have, I have seen the darkness but there's one truth I cannot escape. Is that in every dark season, in every dark night, that God always shines his light. Hope is never lost. And God is always at work. It's what the people celebrate in Isaiah chapter nine. The promise we saw realized in that first Christmas morning when Jesus was born. And you know what I loved about our kids? They really believed it. Did you watch them sing? They were bought in to the hope of Christ. And sometimes I just sit back and go, we can learn so much. We can learn so much from them. Let's pray together. Kim. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.